Hi, I'm Frances Liliana, and this is The Dallas Type, an interview series where we celebrate the different personalities you'll find in the Dallas creative community. And it's also an attempt to see if there's anything that we might identify as a unifying element between all the creatives I've asked to participate. So, in regards to creatives here in North Texas, is there a Dallas Type? Today's chat is brought to you by the letter T. Hello. Hi. <laughs> what is your full name, your position, and your company? Well, my full name is James Timothy Langford. Most people call me Tim Langford. And uh, my position is Executive Creative Director and Partner at Imaginuity. If you had a superpower, what would it be? It would definitely be teleportation. Uh, there's a lot of good ones out there, invisibility, uh, supersonic speed, uh, telekinesis, but uh, teleportation is great because it's almost limitless what you can do. Where's the first place that you would teleport to? Uh, probably, you know, sneak into any kind of major events, concerts, mm -hmm. things like that where it would be hard to get a ticket. Or, you know, maybe, you know, if Trump were elected, I'd maybe... <laughs> is this, wait, is this recording right now? <laughs> but just think how much you would save on gas money, right? I mean, right. It's, it's really limitless. Can you imagine? No rush hour well i guess the so the question is can you bring people with you that's where you get down into the kind of the nitty-gritty the details if i could take people with me that'd be great but if i'm stuck like on a family vacation driving that's kind of mm -hmm. it'd be frustrating <laughs> so would you be able to tell would you want to teleport with like a machine or just like blinking your eyes willpower <laughs> so what is your day job how would you describe it to somebody that's not in the field? Right. So uh, to somebody who's not in the field, uh, my position is basically overseeing a creative team uh, and making sure that conceptually, visually, what we are creating meets the client's needs and expectations and uh, make sure that it's strategically heading in the right direction. How long have you been doing that? And then how long have you been in the field in general? So I've been ECD here for uh, 12 or 13 years now, and I've been doing this for, let's see, 24 years. Um, what got you into the field in general? So uh, I've, always, I've always loved design, but I really didn't know you could do it for a living. So I was in college, and I was pre-med because I wanted to do medical illustration. And uh, I happened to be down in the, you know, kind of in the, the lounge area at the dorm, and there was a guy there showing off his portfolio, and I said, well, what's that? And he said, it's graphic design. And I said, you can do this for a living? He said, yeah. And I remember immediately, I ran upstairs, I called my dad, and I said, I'm changing majors, here's what I want to do. And my dad said, can you make a living doing this? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I think so. And then he said, he said, okay, we'll go for it. So that was really, you know, it's, it kind of just went from there. Did you have any heroes prior to that, or did you, you know, collect some along the way? Uh, well, yeah, heroes, you know, historically, um, kind of groundbreaker, you know, guys are kind of groundbreaking, like, uh, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, or, you know, somebody I really love is Orson Welles. Orson Welles was, you know, he had his hands in so many different things, and he was, he was uh, brilliant at quite a few of them. And the story I love is he was so busy going from here to there that they hired an ambulance and he would send the ambulance and they would turn the sirens on in between places he would go just so he can get there quicker. 
But um, he's one of the guys I've always just been uh, fascinated with. Steve Martin's another one. Mm-hmm. Steve Martin, again, you talk about somebody who's an actor, comedian, he's an author, he's a fantastic author. He plays the banjo, he's won some Grammys. He was named one of the 100 most important art collectors in the United States. Mm-hmm. It's, it's guys like that that are multifaceted, that have interest in a lot of different things and are very good in a lot of different things. That um, Those are the type of people that fascinate me. Mm-hmm. Do you have any mentors that kind of exhibit that, those same qualities? Uh, you know, or mentors in general. Yeah. So uh, in college, Frank Cheatham is the guy who started the program at Texas Tech, the design communication program. Actually, he and his wife Jane, and they were uh, designers in in the '70s in New York. You know, during that era of the Pushman Group and, and all that, and they were fantastic. And so they kind of got tired of the rat race. They moved to Lubbock, Texas, a little dusty Lubbock, Texas, and started this program. And what I loved about Frank is he was incredibly patient, thorough, and you know he was the epitome of the measure twice, cut once kind of guy. And he would never ever sacrifice quality for speed or concept uh, for it's easier to do this. He, he hated computers, which I loved him for that. You know, and actually we didn't have computers. I graduated not having any computer skills, which even then in the early 90s was kind of rare. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've always admired that, that he just, you know, is all about the idea and, uh, whatever you need to do to, to see it through. And there's, there's no shortcuts that, um, I try, you know, it's hard nowadays, uh, especially in this, this interactive age we live in and deadlines are so short and turnarounds are so quick to, to try to keep that in your mind to, to, you know, live and design that way. But, um, you know, it's always kind of a goal. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you, you know, would mention to kind of champion that extra time right. or that you would advise any, you know, clients or, or, or those that work for you? Yeah, you know, I think that they are so fast to, and this is designers in general, not the ones that I work with, but just designers in general, are so fast to want to throw up a lot of ideas. Hey, here's five or six ideas on what we could do instead of taking the extra time and say, okay, here's two ideas, which are both really solid and here's why, instead of here's five ideas that are are generally good, but you can tell when they're not thought through because you can punch holes in them really quick. So, But I think that's, uh, that's just kind of systematic in our industry. And again, I think it's because deadlines are, are so quick and, you know, computers have really given us this false sense of, well, I can do something really quick and it'll still be really strong. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, rarely the case. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in that line, do you think that there are any specific opportunities for, um, or advantages for those people that do know how to, to come up with, you know, the two great ideas versus, uh, I guess the soft, the false security that people have with, um, being able to generate something visually very quickly? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's tough. It's, it's definitely an uphill battle, uh, again, because expectations, clients expect you, okay, well, I can see revisions tomorrow, or I can see, you know, give me 20 good ideas. So to push back and uh, and to say, you know what, really, you just need three. And, you know, the story you could tell is is when Paul Rand presented you know, the, I think it was the IBM logo, he presented one. And here it is. This is this is all you need, you know, and you can't imagine, I'm not recommending you doing that for for at any time, but it's that type of thinking that I think you can justify it to clients 
well. If they end up liking the ideas, it's, it's really easy to justify it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, a lot of it just comes back to work you've done in the past and setting expectations that, hey, this took twice as long as you might be expecting it to take. Mm-hmm. Or this costs twice as much as you think it should cost, which we run into all the time as a, you know, as a smaller agency competing against even smaller agencies is justifying the price. But I think if you can, if you set expectations immediately that, you know, to create something of value and to get something that's going to really last the the test of time, then it's, it's going to take a while to do it right to begin with. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, um, you described this, relationship building with clients where you know that value is something you can actually communicate like is there anything that you would be able to um advise creatives that want to end up owning their own business or being part of the ownership level i mean i think there's a lot of things that you do that other people don't quite understand is part of being a creative leader yeah is there you know what kind of advice would you give them so I think the best advice is to spend more time with the client up front and not only to fully understand what they're looking for, but to fully explain to them our process mm-hmm. and what it takes on our end. And it's not just something automatic that you can say, okay, I can turn around X number of ideas and X number of days. And it's, you know, it's not binary like that. It's so, and I think once you spend a lot of time with clients and get them to to understand what you really, really do, mm-hmm. then it's easier down the road for them to not only understand what you've done, but to appreciate what you've done. Uh, so, you know, I think, and it's and it's uh, it's pretty typical for clients to think, well, this is easy. They're basically drawing pictures and creating something that looks nice, and of course, that's the easy part of this mm-hmm. whole thing. So, yeah, spending a lot of time uh, with the client setting expectations, but then also just kind of educating them on, you know, here's the process we go through. And most of the times clients are pretty interested. I mean, it's, you know, we take it for granted because we're in this, in this world, but it is, can be really fascinating kind of what we do in the process. So what if, uh, you know, talking about the process, what is your favorite part of the process? My favorite part is also the most frustrating part, and that's the con- conceptual phase of things. And, you know, there's nothing like banging your head against the wall for three days and coming up with zero ideas. But, you know, the best part is when you do come up with that one aha moment, you basically want to go you know, jump on the roof and, and shout to the mountaintops when you know it's, when you know you got a winner and you know it's great. Of course, then you got to sell it. But, you know, I think the, and, you know, I, I love it in both ways. I love doing it by myself. Um, concepting I think is just an interesting process but I also love doing it with people because there's just a great energy and you know there's all kinds of good ideas that come out from from God knows where that mm-hmm. you know you merge these two things and all of a sudden again kind of that aha moment but um, yeah I mean I think that's what separates for you know speaking from ingenuity that's what separates us from a lot of other firms is we take a lot of time um, on the conceptual phase of the project instead of jumping right into let's create something that looks slick or even performs you know slick from a user experience standpoint mm-hmm. it all comes back to concept and and uh, kind of the overall bigger picture so to me that's that's the most fun because it's always different mm-hmm. so what do you do whenever you're in this the concepting phase and you know, you're kind of blocked or you can't think of something. Like, what do you do for inspiration? So, I don't know about inspiration, but this works for me. And I don't know why, but it always has. 
is the best ideas, when I come up with the best ideas, it's when I'm driving in my car. Mm-hmm. Usually it's in the morning, but not always. So when I am, am really stuck, I'll just go get in my car and drive around for a while. And here I have a, I have a hypothesis on why this works for me. Because mm-hmm. you know when you're driving a car and you're on the road and you're staring and you're in a lane, but you're not really thinking about, okay, I'm driving, I'm in between these lanes. It's kind of automatic. If you look at your hand, it's it's making all these small, subtle shifts, but you're not thinking about it. It's like breathing, right? It's just, yeah. It just happens. So I think my brain is wired in such a way that when I'm driving, the part of my brain that kind of blocks all creative thinking is occupied with the driving of my car. Mm-hmm. So then the other half kind of gets to spread its wings and say, okay, let's run around and, and do some do some thinking. For whatever reason, that works for me. I don't know why, but um, usually it's put on classical music and, and just drive around and and uh, hopefully hope for the best. If not, just alcohol. Something that we can solve with putting a um, a tiny car in your office. <laughs> tiny car. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I guess we could. I guess we could try. Um, I don't know. Probably the, the fumes would end up killing all of us. Mm-hmm. But for the first five minutes, it might be fun. So, what do you think is then your least favorite part of the job? Uh, my least favorite part of the job is an internal uh, part of the job, and that's telling designers no. Um, only because uh, I don't mind saying that's not a good idea and educating them as to why, mm-hmm. but and especially for you know creatives who are young and they just want to do the, the very best work and really overly ambitious, sometimes overdesign or overthink. So for you to come in and kind of crush their little souls a little bit and say, I appreciate what you're trying to do, I get it, but this is you know you're way overthinking it because there's such enthusiasm with young creatives and that's that's why we hire him right you get a ton of good energy so you don't want to quelch that but at the same time that's part of the learning process the educational process is having to kind of hone their skills and get them to think a little more narrowly Mm -hmm. as far as okay here are the customers needs let's not do this because again it looks really cool or it'd be really ambitious or nobody's ever done this before uh so to, to say no it's I mean, you, it's it's tough because a lot of times it does take the wind out of other cells. But I think it's how you follow up that that phrase of no that can make up for it and make them better. Mm-hmm. So you talked about restraint, um, <clears throat> kind of in a, in a roundabout way, just kind of being able to tell them no. So and kind of giving those those guidelines to come up with great creative, mm-hmm. um, and then the the job that you were kind of studying for at the very beginning was, you know, medical illustration. Right. Which also has, you know, it's very, it's a very narrow field mm-hmm. of, of art and mm-hmm. creativity, but it still has that kind of that craft, I think, that we were um, starting to notice in, in the conversation. What do you think about your personality led you to pursue, you know, an art form that has these kind of walls around it? That's a very good question. I think... When it comes to when it comes to thinking, I'm not really. I wouldn't say I'm innovative, but I. What I do like is taking thinking that is out there and then tweaking it to make it more efficient or more streamlined or more relevant. Mm-hmm. So I think a fine artist, you know, it's all about being this, you know, this original visionary. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I, I, I could say I have that trait, but I don't think that's. I don't think that's accurate. I don't think I do. I think uh, what I do well is take existing materials and concepts and ideas and kind of blending them in a way to create something that's not necessarily new, 
but is something that's uh, more effective or more just visually appealing in some cases mm-hmm. uh, or just more efficiently created that communicates a message maybe a little bit more efficiently or more beautifully. Um, I think that that's my personality that kind of blends in with graphic design. Mm-hmm. It's even like solving things, really. Yeah, solving, yeah. It's kind of a, a lot of times it's kind of a puzzle, right? I mean, you know, the old adage is there's no... There's no, you know, new ideas, and to a certain point, I think that's, I think that's correct. Mm-hmm. But I think all the building blocks are there. It's just arranging them in ways that haven't been arranged before. Mm-hmm. That's really fascinating. But no, I think that's a good word. Yeah, it's a, every time it's a puzzle too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good word. So, do you do puzzles on the weekends, or what is your, what are your hobbies and Saturdays look like? Well, so right now I have two little kids. I have a three-year-old and an eight-year-old, so my wife works on Saturdays, which means Saturdays are usually spent you know, sword fighting and swimming and working with Legos and various other nonsensical things. But, you know, they're fun. Actually, it's, a lot of it's kind of a creative output. So, Sword fighting like LARPing? Like what? Is it LARPing? I don't understand what that word means. <laughs> Good. Is that an acronym? No, I was just making sure that you didn't know what that word meant. No. Uh, um, why, why do you know what that word means? Because somebody showed me a video once. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know what LARPing is. It's uh, the make-believe, like, with Thunderbolt and, like, people... Wait a minute, like, uh, okay, so... Like yeah, oh, so, yeah. like, going out to the park and dressing up. In, yeah. And that's, oh, yeah, well, that's... No, I love that stuff. Oh, God. No. <laughs> There's actually, out near where I live, we once were driving by and we saw, like, five or six guys out there, and I think one was dressed as, like... Like a centaur, so we had like a fake. Half of them was a horse, or uh, and, but anyway, no, I think that's that's awesome. I would love to go out there and do that, but no, we kind of do that. We do that in the house, but it, it tends to be more science fiction than fantasy. Well, there's still time. Yeah. Um, so, do you do any volunteering or any community involvement? Yeah, I do. Um, so I'm a board member of the Undermain Theater, uh, which is an experimental small theater here in Dallas, Texas. Uh, is outside of that, you know, my perspective changed once I had children. I think that goes for most people that have kids. Your, your kind of world is turned upside down. Your priorities totally shift. So anything that kind of benefits uh, kids, uh, especially kids that are, that are you know, don't, aren't as privileged and don't have as much as, as most of us do. Mm-hmm. So whether that's exposing them to the arts or, um, you know, just giving them access to things they wouldn't normally have access to. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, we're believers in that. Exposing my kids as well, so they understand and appreciate what they have and not take it for granted. Um, you know, community service like that, whether it's, you know, Hunger Busters where we make sandwiches for kids uh, to take home for dinner, not for lunch, mm-hmm. but to take home for dinner because they, they don't have food when they get home. So, yeah, things like that are, are, you know, close to my heart, and I think most people that have kids would probably say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Do you do any work outside of work? Do I do any work outside of work besides the two kids, which is <laughs> actually harder than my job here? Uh, no, I don't really do too much. I mean, I have hobbies, but it's it's nothing that uh, I would really consider consider work. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, of course, I don't have any time for freelance. Right. It sounds like the last thing I would want to do. But you've done some for for some of the organizations that you've been part of. Like oh, sure. Brand. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, so that's, I guess I could still consider that work. I mean, it's under, it's something I usually do here you mm-hmm. know, at the office. So, but yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of pro bono and, and community 
uh, involvement stuff that we do here at Imaginuity, mm-hmm. and that's usually, that's mostly where I kind of contribute to those causes. Mm-hmm. If you could do anything else but related, what would it be? <sighs> Medical illustration. No, I'm kidding. That's a <laughs> I loved it, but then I found out, well, you have to get, so it's kind of crazy. Not only do you have to have a BFA in illustration, you also have to have your, you know, uh, medical degree and yeah so you may as well be a doctor so I went through a semester of pre-med and I made good I actually made the dean's list but I was you know up all the time and I said you know forget it this Mm -hmm. is not for me Um, if I could do anything else that's related uh, believe it or not I love the idea of of video games I love video games I don't get to play video games but uh, I love them Mm -hmm. Um, and I would love the idea of and they're so grand now, these games, mm-hmm. and it, it's almost like being a, a director or producer of a film. You just basically create these worlds, and I think it's fascinating, and I would, I would love, and at some point, maybe I, I will in the future do something like that, but um, yeah, I love that whole, that whole uh, entertainment sector, just video games. Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating. What does success mean to you? What does success mean to me? Uh, I think success means... Uh, being able to, well, in the, in the context of graphic design, in the context of what we do here, I think success means being able to produce something that the client needs and not necessarily what they want. And those are two very different things. And you can have the best idea in the world, but if sometimes you just can't convince the customer or the client that that's the way to go, only because maybe it's never been done before in their industry, or maybe they're just a bit skittish, uh, maybe it's something that's a little more avant-garde or a little more progressive. But when you can actually complete a project and it functions uh, the way you want it to function and uh, you know you know it's going to be a success and it's exactly what the client needs, I mean, to me, that's, that's success. You know, it doesn't come down to how much money you made on the project, you know, uh, any kind of awards that you win. That's, you know, that's, that's all nice and, and well. And, of course, we need to make money. But, you know, to me, if we're not doing quality work that – that really solves a problem and, and does it elegantly, mm-hmm. then I wouldn't, you know, I would do something else. What about in the context of just, you know, work and home and family and that balance? I mean, do you feel like you're at, you're kind of where you want to be or there's anything that you would add or subtract? <sighs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, obviously we want more, all of us want more hours in the day. I know you do. It's it's one of those things where there's more, there's more stuff that we can, that I'm interested in that I frankly just don't have time for, mm-hmm. uh, especially right now. But um, all kinds of hobbies and, and just things to learn about and educate yourself on. But um, as far as where I am right now, yeah, I, you know, I, I am, I'm pretty happy. I think we've built a good company here. I think, um, although we all work a little too hard, and that goes for all of us, mm-hmm. but that's, you know, that's part of kind of the world we live in, especially in this industry. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think as long as you're always ambitious and and are always looking for what you can do next and aren't complacent and aren't satisfied. I mean, I think satisfied is a dangerous word. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, am I... So I'm not satisfied with, with where I am, but um, I'm comfortable with where I am knowing that, you know, what, what could be around the corner if I applied myself and so forth. What would somebody that works with you describe as your biggest strength? Well, I think, and this only comes through time and experience, is being able to think very quickly on your feet 
And, and this goes against everything I said earlier about you know, taking more time to, to really concept. But what I do really well is you know, keeping a library in my mind of, of everything that we've done in the past or before, everything I've tried, and, and being able to quickly kind of rifle through that and filter out, okay, I know this won't work because of this, and being able to come up with strong ideas uh, sooner than later. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of, my, one of my strengths as far as a designer. I mean, visually, it's to a point not any good designer that's been doing it for two decades that's pretty straightforward. I mean, we can uh, we can create something that's visually interesting pretty easily, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but uh, yeah, conceptual conceptual thinking, while it's it's incredibly difficult, I've gotten it down where you know I'll go driving the car, I got my certain little a certain little little hints, or I just know how to I know how to tweak my brain to to figure it out. Usually, pretty quickly. Not always the case, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. So I would say just kind of strong conceptual thinking. Hopefully, that's what people would think of me. Mm-hmm. So we're we're rounding out close to the end. Um, this is the Dallas type. So there's some Dallas questions. Okay. Why Dallas? Well, I was born and raised 20 miles south of here, but actually, that's a good question I ask myself uh, a lot. One of my biggest, or really, it's my only big regret in life is. I kind of did what my parents said, which was graduate high school, go to college, get a degree, come back home, get a job. And that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. And in hindsight, and what I'm going to tell my kids is, look, go to college, I'm all for that. But when you graduate, you know, don't rush into getting a job, even if you have to go into a little bit of debt. I mean, go travel, see the world, experience new places, because you might not end up back where you started. And had I done that, you know, God knows where I would be. It, might not be Dallas. Mm-hmm. So why Dallas? Uh, just because that was kind of the, that was kind of what I was laser focused on and that's why I'm here. Now, I don't dislike Dallas. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been 20 some odd years since I've been back uh, from college and obviously if I wouldn't have liked it, I would have moved. And I think Dallas is it's a more exciting time than ever to be here. Mm-hmm. So uh, I love Dallas, but um, yeah, you asked why Dallas, it's just kind of by default. Mm-hmm. I know that's a boring answer, but that's true. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's honest, um, yeah. but in this 20 years, and I mean, even the, the years before that, what what has been your favorite part of living here or living near here? Because you grew up, you know, 20 miles south. Right. What, is, what are the things that you've seen that, you know, you've seen change mm-hmm. and it's better, or, you know, is there something in particular that stayed the same that you've always loved? Like, what's your favorite part? Well, I think Dallas has become a lot less narrow-minded, especially when it comes to the arts, mm-hmm. it's, it, and this is really easy, it's the art district. Uh, look at you know the new opera house and the smaller theaters that have, have been put up, and that whole area is fascinating, and I think we have a much more international perspective on the world than when you used to. I mean, the fact we're gonna have two Calatrava bridges is something I think 20 years ago, most Dallasites would have been like, well, you know, what's a, what's a Calatrava mm-hmm. and why do we need that? But I think there's a lot more appreciation and understanding, so it feels more like a global, a global city uh, that to me is more relevant in the world that we live in. And getting away from that stereotype that we all wear ten-gallon hats and mm-hmm. and we all have longhorns. So then interpret this as you will. What does tomorrow look like for Dallas? For design? For well, I think it's supposed to rain. <laughs> oh, you mean bigger picture? So what are we uh, talking about Trump? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I think for I think for Dallas, it's continuing to get more and more. Our perspective is continuing to grow mm-hmm. as far as being more inclusive. 
But at the same time, I think we're also getting these really cool little niche neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. You and I are both in East Dallas, Mm -hmm. and East Dallas is becoming this really, really, uh, what's the best word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know. How would you describe East Dallas? I'll Uh, turn this conversation on to you. Eclectic? I don't know if I like eclectic. I feel like that's just kind of a word that they would love to have it. What I like about it is so authentic. There's just so, there's, the people are honest and, um, you know, they're close enough to downtown where, you know, you've got the the city, the city part of them, but it's still a little bit, it's like the suburbia that's in Dallas proper. Yeah. So there's definitely a personality that I think, you know, it's yeah. people that want to be close to the city, but they've got, Yeah. Know. I think it's kind of bohemian. I think that's a word I would use yeah. as well. Uh, you know, it's it's a lot less, and I see this in, in kids too, amazingly enough. Um, just with my eight-year-old, his friends, they are, their perspective is very different than when I was that age. Yeah. And it's less, it's left, less self-centered and it's less about, um, you know, idealistically, what should I look like or who should I be? And there's, like I said, it's much, we're a much more forgiving society here in Dallas than we used to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you look at clicks and just, you know, little things like that, it's, there's a, a, a bar that I go to right by my house, and you walk in on any given day, there are, you know, the hipsters everywhere. There's guys from, you know, that ride their Harleys, you know, that are kind of weekend warriors, but then there's the authentic, you know, guys and gangs. There's college students, and then there's kids with, you know, families with kids running around, and they're all getting along great. Yeah. And it's, I can't imagine that happening 10 or 15 years ago, but mm-hmm. it works really, really well. Mm-hmm. And there's just... You know, I think there's just that that uh, sense of honesty uh, that Dallas has lacked for a long time. We've been such a pretentious mm-hmm. type of city, and that we're getting away from that. It, I think it's great. It feels great. Mm-hmm. So, what is the last item on your bucket list? Finishing the bucket list. <laughs> Obviously, of course. What a silly question. Uh, the last. The last. Uh, it's probably finishing Moby Dick. I've been reading that book for like ten years. <laughs> I still haven't finished it. You start. I know how it ends. I think that's. I think that's why. That's why I haven't been so keen to finish it. But, but there's a movie coming out too. Yeah, yeah, maybe that. <laughs> they'll just finish it. Yeah, they'll just finish it for me. Okay, quick fire. Yeah. Favorite font. This is very original. Helvetica. Favorite word. Uh, I like the word. I like the word hell, just because it works in so many different. Uh, times it can either you know it can be used when it's used well I think it just kind of rolls off the tongue and actually I think it kind of sounds elegant <laughs> favorite color schoolless yellow favorite quote well I love Socrates who said I drink what but actually I like uh, Paul Rand it's, at least it's been attributed to Paul Rand who said um, you know design is everything and I love that in the sense that uh, it, you know, this is what I tell my kids. Whenever you're bored, or even even designers, whenever you're, you know, brand, and I, this actually this answers a question you asked earlier. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is look around on the table and understand that every single thing that you can touch, every single thing, there was decisions specifically that had to be made for that thing. What color it is, what material it is, what shape it is, what the weight is, what it functions, or how it functions. So when you start looking. At, and it doesn't matter whether it's a whiteboard marker, which I'm staring at right now, or a lamp on your desk, or a smartphone. 
you start looking at why decisions were made, why is a cap shaped like that, or why is it that long, or why is it that color, or why is it that heavy, um, then your mind starts to open up, and I think you're able to solve questions uh, more, or questions come from, or answers come from, from a different place than what they might have if you were just thinking solely on this project. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you're, you're thinking on a much more abstracted type of level. Mm-hmm. Elvis or the Beatles? <laughs> the Beatles, of course. I've never met anybody who says, oh, the Beatles. no, I don't care for them. Everybody likes the Beatles. You just do. I mean, most people like Elvis, but my kids don't really get Elvis, but they'll listen to the Beatles all day long. Mm-hmm. Even my three-year-old will listen to the Beatles all day long. The three-year-old seems more like an Elvis guy. <laughs> yeah, he swaggers like Elvis. But... <laughs> describe yourself in five words. Uh, describe myself in, the, in five words. Born in the wrong era. Okay. That's five. <laughs> Describe yourself in one word. You know, I had written down original, but I don't think that really totally applies. I think, uh, I think a better word, and it's, it's kind of depressing, but ambitious, because I do want to do all these things, and I have the best of intentions, mm-hmm. and I end up you know, talking myself out of some of them, because, ah, you know, that will just be kind of boring. But it, it comes down to just not being able to manage my time as efficiently as I would like. Mm-hmm. So, but there's, there's so many different things that I'm interested in and would love to learn and just participate in. So I'll say ambitious. Um, so that's it. Uh, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Is there anything else you'd like to add as I roll into the credits? No. <laughs> no, uh, let's see. I was going to sing a song, but I don't know. How long are the credits? It's as long as they, I, I want them to be. Oh. It's kind of I'm not sponsored by anybody, so. <laughs> so, as actually, the credits could end right now during this conversation. Yeah. Well, let's just do that then. Let's have the credits right. Wait for it. Uh, now. The interview you just heard is bookended by the track Blue Jay from the album Feathers by Blue Dot Sessions, which I borrowed from freemusicarchive.org and used under the Creative Commons Attribution non-commercial license. Thank you for listening to The Dallas Type. I'm Frances Siliana.